640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. Let's do just that. 733 on a Monday morning. It's not Tuesday yet. One degree currently and three a little bit later on wishful thinking. But not because I'm not looking forward to this segment. Let's say good morning uh, to Warren Kinsella, special assistant to John Cretchen, former, not assisting him right now, not at the current time, and currently CEO (laughs) of the Daisy Group Crisis Communications Firm. It's great to have you on. Good morning, sir. And Dave Kaufman, uh, radio broadcaster and uh, much, much more. Were you an April Wine fan? Dave Warren's like a punk rocker. So maybe maybe April Wine was too pedestrian for his tapes, tastes. But I, yeah, yeah, it was Warren. No, oh, that's disappointing. Uh, Dave, April Wine thoughts. Good, good morning to you both. Uh, I don't want to pile on and, and it's almost too early in the morning for Warren and I to be agreeing on things. But uh, no, I, um, I'll, I'll tell you a very quick anecdote. I went out with a friend last year to go see Sloan in concert. Yeah, and, uh, it was a wonderful little, little, uh, little, little spot, like almost like a bar, maybe four or five hundred people. And after the show ended, I was raving about how wonderful they were. And my friend looked at me and said, yeah, they're just like April Wine. And the friend and I have not been the same. Since. That bothered you that much? That's not worth cutting out a friend for life about. <laughs> no, we're still friends. And I sent her a very nice message yesterday when I saw the news. But it just it just changed everything. She could have said triumph or street heart or something. Come on. Or something then I wouldn't like have that. sent her the message Oh, yesterday. my gosh. Oh, we're not going to get along. Okay, fine. <laughs> Actually, I, I Warren will like this. I really annoyed. I used to work with a huge Rush fan. And I just said, listen, April Wine's got better songs than Rush. And he hasn't spoken to me since. Oh, it doesn't take much. <laughs> Sacrament. For, for a Getty Lee, uh, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart fan. I'll tell you guys that right now. Um, while we're on the co- topic of videos, um, Pierre Pauly ever put out a video over the weekend. We watched it like we used to sit around. Our family watched it as a family of four last night. I want to play you guys some of it, and I want to talk more about the communication style that gets around maybe uh, the conventional media here. Here's some of what we saw. 2.4 million people have watched it on, uh, on Twitter uh, as I speak right now. Here's some of the video. Of 35 OECD countries, only the Slovak Republic takes longer than Canada to approve a building project. The UK and the US approve projects three times faster without sacrificing quality or safety. Government development charges in Ontario can be as much as $135,000 per home and some have increased as much as 900% in less than 20 years. And those charges don't include governmental costs like taxes, delays and uncertainty. Worst of all, the Trudeau government has encouraged this gatekeeping with billions of dollars in new grants to the same city governments that block home building. He is literally funding the hiring of more gatekeepers to stand in the way of building homes. Okay, so as I said, under 24 hours, more than 2 million people saw it. Warren, you know communications for politicians like the back of your hand. We're 10 days removed from a so-called controversy where he challenged a CP reporter about the validity of of her facts questioning his integrity. But this 15-minute video, and I talked to some people who love Pierre and some people loathe Pierre, but they know this video connects and they all watched it. This might be the new way forward um, in terms of getting your message out to the public, correct? Yeah, it was really well done. And, you know, usually, I think, you know, all of us who know a little bit about broadcasting, you got about 90 seconds to tell your story most of the time. This this was much longer than that. So why did it work? Uh, I think, you know, Polyev will say he's going to be prime minister, so people were interested in hearing from him. I think it was the subject matter. Housing is the dominant concern 
of just about every demographic group. But I think it was also really well done. And there's a lesson here for Polyev's digital team who are really active. Um, some of their stuff is looked like it had been produced by over-caffeinated teenagers <laughs> in the past. It's gotten them in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson here for them is if, you know, if you're telling a story, you know, you tell it the way journalists tell it, with facts and, you know, not too much exaggeration and make it compelling visually and so on. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, TV is pictures and, and newspapers aren't. And, you know, the pictures are emotion. So he's he's connecting with people in a way he hasn't done before. So I would expect to see more of this stuff in the future. Dave, there's been some eye rolling um, histrionics in the House of Commons in the last few weeks. Just so much stumping. So much of it is is just politics that, that I think make people cynical about even going out and, and voting and supporting a candidate. But that's not what this video is. You go direct to the people. You use graphics. You use facts and and even Pierre's voice. It's a different tone. It's a friendlier tone. I think that's going to work for him. Right. I look. I first when you said it to me, and thank you for sending it to me. I watched the whole fifteen minutes, but the first three, I thought, is this AI Polyevra? Like this is not the Pierre Polyev I know. And and that speaks to what he needs to do. You talked about the 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 tiff with the uh, with the CP reporter. If Pierre Polyev stays on message, not only will he be the next prime minister, but he's going to run away with this puppy. I mean, it is just unbelievable mm-hmm. the lead he has right now. It's just that we're we're still two years away from the election. So let's see if he can hold on to it. A fifteen minute video like this that manages to to leave a Laurentian elite like me sitting there watching it with his jaw agape, going, "Oh, this is how you speak to Canadians." It was yeah. very impressive. And what I kept going back to in my head was that that moment, and this is many, many, many years ago, when Justin Trudeau was speaking in front of a, a university classroom and trying to explain quantum physics. And, and he got a lot of great press for it. Everybody was really impressed that he was able to go above our heads mm. and explain quantum physics. This was the opposite of that. This was Pierre Polyev trying to speak to the average Canadian, not speak above the average Canadian. And I think that there's a difference there. And um, Mm. the lesson is just as much for the Trudeau camp as it is for the Polyev one. I think it is. And I'm told I'm told by people who helped um, put the video out that Melissa Lantzman, as deputy prime minister, had a ton to do with it, a ton of the tone. It's a ton of the arguments she makes. I think she's a real ace in the hole for him. I'll read you this, Warren, from the Toronto Star last week, because I thought it was nuts uh, to say. And I'm not sure they even believe it themselves, but it was from the editorial board. And they wrote last week on Wednesday, at some point, Polyev must give Canadians reasons to vote for him, not merely to vote against Trudeau's liberals. And I'm thinking, are you sure the way it's going? Are you sure? Because he can kind of coast to me. But when he makes videos like that, I think he pulls in undecided voters. Yeah, no, that's just the Toronto Star being the Toronto Star at the end of the day. And, you know, I say this, uh, my partner and I had dinner with a guy named Sean Chrétien last night. Uh, I'm in Ottawa. And so we got together with him. And when I worked for him, when he was the opposition leader, you know, his lesson to us as we'd sit at his knee is, you know, guys, we're the opposition. Our job is to oppose. Our job is not to propose. Occasionally you can do that. You can certainly do that as you get closer to an election. But the job of the opposition is to oppose. So Polyev does that. But there's a tone issue, right? His He's been a little too hot, I think, in the past that obviously has changed since about the month of May. And since the month of May is when the polls started to change for him. You know, he ditched the glasses, started to smile more. 
he just looks like a happier warrior. And they're making better and further use of his wife, who is very telegenic and a great communicator. Yeah. And so all of that is paying dividends, you know, and they're 15 points ahead, 16 points ahead which means just, you know, we're an election to be held today, which is not a massive majority for the Conservative Party of Canada. Let me stick with you on this, because uh, I want to start with Dave on, on the, uh, the topic of what's happening in Moncton. But did you have to do, when I look at those words that the star wrote? And yeah, I, I, sometimes that's that is a theory that you have to give people reasons to vote for you. But when I ask you about Cretchen 30 years ago, did you feel you had to do that or it was play it safe we can coast we don't they're burying themselves the the Mulroney conservatives how did you view it back then yeah Gretchen joked with us last night that Mulroney's popularity at one point was less than the rate of of inflation (laughs) which at that point was 16 percent so yeah sometimes you just you know you sit back and eat popcorn and watch the other guy you know blow themselves to bits but there were occasions where we proposed ideas. So the idea mm-hmm. of borrowing from your RSP for a first-time homeowner to purchase a home, um, that was our idea. And I remember when he said we were going to do it, I said to him, and I wasn't the only one, you know, boss, if we do this, the other guys are going to steal it. And he looked at me and he just said, I'm counting on it. And it, mm-hmm. so what it did is, well, it helped out a lot of people. But I, I think people did know that the idea came from us. So, yeah periodically judiciously you know you can come up with an idea but most of the time you know your job is to oppose and and that's what polyev is doing two questions did you call him boss last night and who paid for dinner i mean he's 80, he's 89 <laughs> I, I don't want you taking our senior citizens pensions away so i hope you i hope he, you bellied up come on i offered i offered and i, I insisted and he said no way young man. he always calls me young man even though i don't feel like i'm a young man anymore and so he paid and we had a great time and uh it was a lot of fun so he he looked like mm-hmm. a million bucks and i think you know if we brought him back again he probably win another majority <laughs> uh let's get to moncton uh i think this is really- well, hold on greg i just yeah. i need to I, sure before we go in on something serious i just i need to say that i had dinner last night watching the eagles and the niners with my cat and who paid? Um, a very fair question. <laughs> I paid. Thank you very uh, much. Yeah, and, and not quite the same meals. He gets the scraps and, and you get the main course. All right, Moncton's right. Jewish community is pretty upset. But I, I think, guess what? I think every Jewish community is upset. I think every community is upset with this news over the weekend, Dave, uh, that the city's mayor decided the menorah will not be displayed outside City Hall during Hanukkah. They've done it. Forever. And a group representing about 100 families, uh, the Moncton Jewish community, put a statement out on Friday saying they think this is a terrible decision. Um, I will play you uh, this clip. This is Lee Lampert from Roy Green Show over the weekend right here on the Chorus Radio Network, who's a member of the Moncton Synagogue Board. And this is how they found out, by the way. This is terrible communication, speaking of how this was going to happen. Well, we suspected something was up when we reached out, when, when the synagogue reached out to the city to... Uh, make arrangements for the annual uh, menorah lighting ceremony, which has taken place for approximately 20 years. There was a bit of back and forth, unlike in the past, and it seemed a bit suspicious. And then ultimately Thursday we were invited to a meeting with the mayor and one of the town councillors and a couple of representatives from the city, at which point the decision was conveyed that uh, this year uh, the menorah was going to be banned from City Hall, as was the nativity scene. And so that was when we were first informed of that. Um, we asked some questions. We asked why the decision, why now, 
uh, and why the decision was taken behind closed doors. And quite frankly, we had no satisfactory answers to any of those three questions. Okay, that's Lee Lampart, uh, a lawyer and member of the Moncton Synagogue Board. The Moncton mayor is Don Arnold. We have not heard public comment from her over the weekend. Dave, what do you make of this? I'm so angry. I, I'm I'm just I'm so angry. I, I think about what the reaction would be if this happened in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, and and I implore Canadians to have the same reaction, no matter the size of the town. This has nothing to do with what we're seeing on the other side of the world right now. And, and if you think it is, then then I think that that we are fooling ourselves. Anti-Semitism arrived in Canada and has been thriving in Canada for a very long time. The numbers have been going up year over year over year for the last, I don't know how many years, but long before October the 7th. And this just, this feels like a, a terrible harbinger of things to come, or frankly, of things that, that predate me, that, that, speak to my grandparents age and i just i hope that people can see this for for how bad it is greg you said that all communities should be upset i think part of the problem is that they aren't that they're not seeing it and there's something that i, I want to mention because i didn't realize that you just played that clip the the gentleman said that the, their nativity scene was also banned yeah there are angels and there's a christmas tree there and i don't want to get into the weight of what a symbol means because things mean different things to different people but just the optics of not allowing the Jewish people to celebrate Hanukkah in their town is it's it's disgusting and it's not Canadian. And I please someone point out a way that this isn't racist and anti-Semitic to me, because because all I see is just something that makes me so furious and so scared for what's to come. Warren, how do you feel about it? I agree with every word that Dave said. And, you know, it is really, really sad. You know, what does a menorah symbolize? For those who don't know, it, it's a light uh, going out to the world, you know, like we light Christmas trees, very similar, but it communicates enlightenment. It's about knowledge. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it just this seems like the absence of knowledge. And sadly, you know, it's not just happening in Moncton, guys. This is happening in the state of Virginia. It happened in the East London. Um, they were lighting a menorah even longer. They've reversed the decision after the protests. So I think it's incumbent upon everybody um, to, to listen to what Dave said and act on it. And because, you know, why is all of this stuff happening? And there was lots of stuff that happened in the city of Toronto over the past seven mm -hmm. days, too, is it is exactly the reason he said. It's because, you know, for evil to prevail, all it takes is for good people to do nothing. We've, we've all got to stand up and use our voices and use social media and whatever means is available to us to say, you know, this is just not right. It's not acceptable. And if you continue to conduct yourself in this way, we're going to vote you out. And I think that's what the people in, in Moncton have got to do because they are now a global not just a laughing stock, like people are just appalled by what's happening in this, you know, Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. It's all over the world. Warren, do you think she reverses course on this? Is this a really quick decision to do a 180 on? Well, East London has showed her the way. There's a way you just say, you know, we regret it and we're not going to do it. 
And um, but you know, God knows, uh, no pun intended, you know where it's going to go. But it, like like Dave says, there's just a, too much of this stuff happening now. And what happens, you know, I hate the word normalize. I think it's one of those words that didn't really exist before. But this is a mm-hmm. case of normalization of of uh, hatred and and maltreatment of a particular community, whether it's the Jewish yeah. community or the Muslim community or or Christians. It's just not right, and we we can't treat it like normal because it's happening so much since October seventh. We can't just shrug and say, "Okay, well that's how it is." No, that that ain't how it is, and we've got to push back. Dave, I had, and again, this has nothing to do. This this has nothing to do with Israel and Gaza. The the Jewish communities of Canada have been here since the seventeen hundreds. They are. This is a separate issue. Not every Jew is a Zionist. Not every Zionist is a Jew, And, and I think that it's really important that all minority communities in this country are made to feel safe and welcome like they always have, or at least for as long as I've been paying attention. I've understood, Dave, I'd, I've understood the evolution of how things have gone in our elementary schools, especially in our high schools, that there needs to be that separation of church and state. There's a reason we don't do the Lord's Prayer anymore, but it's not dissimilar to why we don't just have a set Christmas pageant like we all probably participated in. Maybe it is exclusionary, but city halls and municipalities and, and governments as a whole have a lot bigger tent and they serve everybody. And the like. The, that's why there's a big distinction I make between what schools do within their walls and what a city hall should be doing. And I think the mayor of Moncton's got this just not so wrong. Well, not only not so wrong, but, but dangerously wrong. Right. And I think that's, that's the part it's, it's like, Oh, that kooky mayor is out of the gate. No, this is not that kooky mayor. And if she doesn't see it, then she shouldn't be mayor. And, and mm. you know, Moncton isn't, I, I get it. It's not Toronto, but it's also not Podunk, Saskatchewan. This is this is not some small little town. This is somewhere that's on a map that that has a hockey team that that would make the news if their mayor does something stupid and racist. And here we are. Yeah, I mean, there's 80, 86,000 people that uh, that live there. You're right. It's not uh, small, not a small little hamlet. Warren, you mentioned what's happening on Toronto streets. I want to play you this. This was, you know, uh, this is a lather, rinse, repeat protest outside the Landwehr Cafe on Saturday night. And you'll hear uh, a person speaking into a megaphone. But I think his last line is key. And that's what I want to emphasize. Okay, Landwehr is owned by a Zionist. And again, amazing that we still have to say this. Several weeks later, targeting businesses because they're Jewish-owned is despicable. We wouldn't even fathom it with any other religion. We really wouldn't, no matter what political conflict was happening in the world. Um, And Warren, I want to play you this really quick from James Carville. This is six seconds, but I thought this sentence captivates for me where our conflicts are right now. He said this on Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO Friday night. Understand this. People like immigrants, okay? What they don't like is disorder. And I thought that statement, they like immigrants. We want to be part of a melting pot, something that's cosmopolitan, great multicultural cities. Warren, you cause too much disorder. You'll never get elected supporting it, and you'll lose support for your cause every single time. I don't make the rules. That's just what they are. Yeah, and then look what's happened in Toronto in just the past seven days. So they're back at Cafe Lanwer, you know, and Cafe Lanwer isn't at the negotiating table with Hamas, you know, overseeing the, the ceasefire. 
just a restaurant. And I've been there, and it's really good, by the way, and everybody should go and support them. But the same thing, there was another protest at Indigo, a bookstore, and it's being targeted because it's owned by a Jew. Two Jewish women intimidated and sworn at on the subway in Toronto this week. There's a video. You can see it. It's all over the Internet. Let me clarify. That was in Vancouver on the SkyTrain. I know people tweeted it out like it was Toronto, but I just to clarify, it's in Vancouver. Oh, I, I apologize. But that's okay. So I just it, want to have it out there. No worries. So I've made the same mistake the, a lot the last eight weeks. And then the police indicated they're looking for somebody who punched uh, a Jewish woman who was holding a Canadian flag. And the, the bad guy stomped on the flag. And then the swastika... Uh, that you know took place displayed at Dundas yeah. Square. That's just in the past few days, and whether it's Vancouver or Toronto, you know we got a problem, and this stuff is happening everywhere. So you know the one thing I've been writing about in Post Media, the, my column, you know, because I used to be a cop reporter, where are the police? You know, with the exception of the Indigo attack. Where eleven people allegedly, you know, targeted her, and you know they're all going to be facing prosecution, and they're yeah. quite a diverse group, including you know an elementary school music teacher. Um, it, it, the police have been, I think, conspicuously absent. You know, the Montreal is an extreme case where you've got Jewish schools being shot up and Jewish community centers being firebombed, but this stuff, as you you know pointed out, is happening from Vancouver to Moncton. Where are the police? You know, we have the laws in place to deal with it, whether it's somebody who's here on a visa or somebody who's a Canadian citizen, and, and they're just not yeah. pursuing it. And I don't get it. Uh, Dave, how I view it is this. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people that, that are younger people that simply want to go viral yelling boycott. I, I don't see a lot of I, I don't see a lot of political acumen on the streets of Toronto at eight o'clock at night. Let me just say that. Are you sensing the same thing that this is just now about being seen and almost professional protests as opposed to because you can have real discussions about what Israel's doing, what Benjamin Netanyahu's doing, what the future of the of the Middle East is. That's not what I'm seeing on our streets. No, people feel powerless, though, and, I, and not everybody has a microphone like the three of us to be able to, to give our opinion to thousands of people, and, and what an honor that is. Um, I, I have trouble with the, with the idea that all protesters are, are of the mind of the person with the bullhorn. I don't think that that's the case. I think that there are reasoned people that feel like they have nothing else to do but go into the streets night after night. Now, they're not usually the loudest ones, and they're not usually the violent ones, and they're not usually the ones that are... Um, you know, spilling red paint on the streets and, and trying to make their points like that. I would hope that there are reasoned people on all sides of the conflict. But when you talk about protests dragging out and it turning public opinion away, my brain went to the uh, to the the horns honking in Ottawa when you said that. I thought about the, the protest. And I know it's not the immigrant part that you were talking about, but yeah. I think that the disorder part, I think that that part really speaks to it and that eventually disorder does lose People people do like a certain amount of order without it, you know, growing. Into I agree. I, I think authoritarian public, public opinion changed from uh, the first three or four days. Listen, who are they hurting this and that to? OK, the city people need to go to school and they need to go right. to work and they need to shop and the same thing. You got it. And the same thing that Warren just said, yeah. where are the cops? It was the same. Where are the cops? And, and there's a yeah. certain amount. You know, you look at Montreal and, and Warren, you mentioned, I think it's two schools and a community center. 
Yeah. Where are the cops? Where are the cameras? Where are the cops? How is this still happening? How has there not been somebody? How are there not even a, how is there not a suspect? I just I don't understand. Yeah, Dave, I want to get uh, to the Ontario Liberal leader. We got a few minutes to do it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren, I know you were on with Alex Pearson on uh, Friday talking about it. I heard the segment um, surprising to some. I think both you and Alex had Bonnie as a first ballot winner. The rank balloting changes things. Um, but nonetheless, um I think there was some drama on Saturday, but are you skeptical about sort of the energy behind the Liberal Party in the province? Well, that that is the big problem. And full disclosure, I ran McGinty's war rooms, all three of them. And, um, you know, back in those days, we, we had lots of MPPs. The problem Bonnie's got is she's got nine. So I, I think it, she's got a really tough road to hoe now because mm-hmm. she's got to take it from nine MPPs to government. That is, you know, I, I confirmed with Kretschner last night when we were talking about politics, surprise, surprise, that <laughs> that's never happened in Canadian politics before, going from nine to government. So I think, you know, but Bonnie's got a big job ahead of her and it's it's going to take some time. Uh, Dave, looks like a tall task. Warren just laid out that math. This looks like and it, I think it looked like to most this is a two election job. This can't be accomplished in two and a half years unless the, the Ford government just falls completely on its face. But even then, there's 79 seats and they'd have to lose 30 or 40 of them. Yeah, I think a victory right now in the next election for for Crombie would be official opposition in a minority government. And that would be a yeah. huge victory. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have to we have to set realistic goals here. And, and I think that Styles has proven herself to, to be beatable or at least catchable. And uh, let's keep seeing what what Doug Ford does. Let's keep seeing how many own goals he lets in over the next couple of years. Yeah. I when I travel the province, though, Warren, I, I see it. We get outside of Toronto bubble, maybe even a downtown Ottawa bubble. I still see a really popular government. I, I still see they got a lot of labor endorsements. People drive. They can't take public transit living out in the country. And Doug Ford connects with those people. I, I really I've seen it with my own eyes um, in a way that the other leaders, especially in the last election, didn't necessarily do. No, for sure. And the numbers prove what you're saying. You know, the Greenbelt thing was a mess. It was it was mm-hmm. ugly and a problem. And he acknowledged that himself. But after he reversed course on it, he's now double where the Ontario Liberals and the Ontario NDP are. Like if there's an election held today, he'd win it big time. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's a lot like Kretzky in that sense that, you know, he's kind of a regular schmo, regular guy. And people dig it and they, they like him and they trust him. And, uh, you know, for him, so far, so good. Warren, my push, big pushback of this segment was Dave Kaufman told us yesterday, I want to talk Shohei Otani to the Blue Jays. <laughs> and Dave, had it happened in the last 23 minutes, I would have let you I've, break the news. But he has not. My fingers not, have been crossed. I know. I don't oh, know what time on. it is in Tokyo right now where he probably is <laughs> awaiting all these $600 billion offers. But we didn't see one in the last in the last 23 a minutes. A boy can dream, right, Greg? A boy can dream. Guys, enjoyed today. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.